Hi everyone and welcome back to Teaching for Dummies, the podcast for the teacher in all of us. We are up to episode 8 and it feels like a mammoth run throughout this term. Oh! (laughs) And it feels like a mammoth task getting through this term. I'd like to welcome on board one of our favourites, Kate Kilkenny, the grade 1, 2 teacher, the hostess with the mostest. The, uh, <laughs> I'm just building you up here, Kate. Yeah, stop there, please. <laughs> um, please excuse my dog having a barkaroo um, in the background there. Little Lenny having a bark in the background. Yeah. So uh, most of our listeners out there would know that school has gone back. The teachers are back in the classroom. The students are back in there as well. And... Oh, my God. (laughs) It's been something, hasn't it, Kate? I said to one of the parents today, it feels like the end of year. (laughs) Mm. Magging out. (laughs) (laughs) I know that there's a lot of teachers hanging out for the holidays. Oh, God, yeah. I can only imagine what it's like for the kids, Mm. you know, as well. We know what's going on. We know what we have to wait for and the whole understand, I think, more so the process of it all. Yet to them it's just coming to school. Do you know, I remember our previous conversations about remote learning and all of that going on. There was a couple of big things. We thought that parents are just going to love it when the kids finally go back. Have you found that with your parents? (laughs) I don't know if I have more been, I don't know if the parents have become needier since they've come back Mm. because they've had that moment of attachedness or attached kind of thing. Attachment. They've then gone, oh, my God, they're gone. What do I do now? Yeah. I have to find out how they are. Are they going to be okay kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of parents that have been ringing several times throughout the day and their final on their final message, because usually I'm teaching, is I just want to know that they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> like every other day they're at school, they will be fine. <laughs> mm. And, you know... <laughs> ring you if there is a problem. Yeah. I think it, there's there's been a lot of parents that have been happy to send their kids through the gate. Uh, I know that at my school yeah, it's been really yeah. tricky because... You know, our school's not allowing any parents to come on site and they've been very, uh, I guess, stringent about that, you know, very hard and fast about that. And like the dynamics of the way that kids come into the school has changed. We we collect up all of our little preppies um, first thing in the morning and there's been some, you know, some of it's been tricky. So what do you do? You now, go up to the gate to your school gate. Yeah, we do, and so all the prep teachers go up there. The five prep teachers, and we we basically welcome the kids in. But it's uh, one of the massive benefits for the kids is that they actually get greeted by the five different teachers along the way as they're making their way down through into the school. Mm. So the first teacher meets them at the very edge of the school near the crossing, and oh. that's where the parent says goodbye. And yep. the first teacher goes, hi, how you going? And then they walk down further, you know, another, you know, 50 metres and there's another... So it's there's like another a welcoming part. Yeah, there's another teacher there with the hand sanitizer. you know, gives them the hand sanitizer, and says, hi, how you going? 
you know, how's things? It's almost a parade. And then they get to the next one, yeah, and then the next one, and they go inside, and we all sit in the gym now. Oh. And so they've got a teacher there supervising, and they all sit down on their, you know, at their cone, and they're all so happy. They've been greeted by five different teachers. They're feeling really <laughs> welcome. You know, it's really quite amazing to see. And also be a part of. I feel really good about it, actually, because I think normally we'd have parents basically come into the door of the classroom and you open that door in the morning and you've got all your kids, but you've also got all the parents standing around as well. And sometimes you feel like you're almost putting on a bit of a show to sort of go, hi, everyone. It's a bit of pressure for the kids too, I imagine. But now they, they come in by themselves. It's good independence. And you don't have that, we don't, I mean, I love having parents as part of my classroom and I love seeing them at the door, really. But also, you know, it is nice to have them step back a bit and let their kid go, you know. The independence. Yeah, 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 that's right. And so there's been some really good stuff there. Um, but it's funny when you watch some of the kids, like they'll get to the first teacher and they'll be like, I did a drawing, you know, and they'll show their drawing <laughs> and then they'll go down the road. Oh, mate, so many teachers to do. They'll go to number two, teacher number two, I did a drawing. Oh, that's great. That's great. Fantastic. Go down the road. I did a drawing. But it's also really good, I think, too, we've been able to see, you know, if you've got it's like the check-in with kid, the pastoral care element of it yeah. is that you've got five teachers kind of checking these kids as they walk in and you can pick which ones have had a great morning and which ones have had a really bad morning. Yeah. And you, and it's really, I think, really good because, you know, the n- nature of good teachers are that they, they'll do something about it, you know. They'll speak to that kid. They'll give them a pat on the back or they'll give them a hug if they need it, you know. And so I think it... It's been really interesting. It's also great, you know, we've been getting to know a lot of the kids that we wouldn't normally get to know because I get to yes. see the 100 kids of a morning. I normally only get to see 20. Gosh. So How do you remember all their names? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, Hey, mate, how are you, mate? G'day, mate. That's how I remember their names. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, look, I think there's been some wonderful things. There, there has been some parents that have been really happy to have their kids back. You know, they might have struggled yeah. a bit with remote learning. It got a bit – trying to – sus- it got a bit real for them. Yeah. Trying to sustain it over a long period yeah. was difficult. You know, they were great in the first couple of weeks. Um, yeah. It was, like, really interesting because some parents – you know, we've said this before. Some parents were really involved. Some parents weren't. And then there was everything in between. And it was like there were some parents that did – a decent job for the whole time. So their kind of bell curve was like fairly flat but long, sustained. There were some that went, that peaked really early and then just dipped yeah. down to nearly nothing. <laughs> and then there's some that kind of were really poor at the start in terms of their input and their attendance and then they got better over time. Yeah. yeah so it takes all sorts, Kate. And awesome. you, what's your favourite saying? Individual results may vary. Yeah, is it that one? Yeah, I'm going to put that on a T-shirt for you. Please. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite one. It's yeah. it just, I don't, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I know there's a few, I um, listen to a bit of music and in a song on my way to my school um, the other day, it was um, 
the definition of insanity is repeating the same task over again but expecting a different result. Mm. And it's so much like that. They yeah. put that with individual results may vary. There's yeah. no and teaching you get it over and over again, particularly yourself there, Brett, who has taught preps for how many years now? Yeah, look, some there are some things and you have need you to got do. The same <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing you need. Sometimes there's things you need to do over and over and over again oh. the same way so that they get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, it's it's been been really good to have the kids back at school i think we made we made mention of it earlier in an earlier episode that you know my take on it was that with remote learning we had teachers had all of the responsibilities of teaching except they didn't have the payoff of having the kids there teachers most teachers just love kids they feed off the kids energy we're like succubuses we just (laughs) take the energy (laughs) off them you know it's like it's like the fountain of youth sometimes you know it is, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yesterday we're doing maths, you know, we're doing place value and all of this stuff. So I'm trying to find practical numbers that they would that they would see. And and I said, oh look, here's the number thirty nine. I said that's how old I am at the moment. <laughs> and the kids go, whoa, you're old. <laughs> and and then I said, I wrote the number forty. I said in October I'm turning forty. <laughs> And even I looked at that and I've gone, Shh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, yeah. It's better than what I got Getting I, old. Um, a couple of weeks ago turned 40. Yeah. Class, I would have got away with it too if it wasn't for my pesky co-teachers um, <laughs> because they bought me a 40 balloon. Yeah. And the kids were like, you've got a balloon in your office. <laughs> I said, yeah. And I brought it out and one kid just went, whoa. You're 40. (laughs) I was like, yes. And then this week, this is probably to cut into my funny story. We um, at my school are doing it or at the moment in my year levels are looking at Indigenous Australians and First Nations people. Yep. Um, And we're looking at their possum cloaks and this was something that I learned, Auntie Joy was uh, doing a talk about her possums and her possum cloak. And she said that each year, like you get your first possum when they're born, when you're born. So each year you get a new possum to add to your cloak. So we did an activity where we went round and got enough kinder squares and they each drew a possum on each of the kinder squares for how old they were, they were mm. or are. Um, and one of the kids said, Miss Kilkenny, yours would be so so big, <laughs> 40. So, yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> There's my funny story for the week. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you can stop now. And they had, um, we had NADOC week. Yeah. I felt a bit, I felt a bit um, ill-prepared, I think, for NADOC week this year because it was the first day back from remote learning and the Monday we had we had off as a um, curriculum day. I think that everyone in the state did actually. So whoever yeah. decided that, good on you. That was fantastic because um, we needed it. Uh, a soft start, yep. a soft start. Uh, <laughs> um, but then on the Tuesday it was um, National Sorry Day, and the I think sorry. I think me, like many teachers, kind of forgot about it because we were so busy just getting the kids in the door and trying to make sense of it all. Um, and I think that worry of, well, how are things going to look now yeah. in the classroom and the world and all that. So we kind of did some 
Indigenous studies over the week, and I did read them some books. And this is not my funny story, but it is a funny story. <laughs> so I pull out some of my old Dreamtime story books that were written in the 80s. And uh, yeah, and there's some fantastic, fan- yeah, fantastic books. And there was this story, and I, I picked it up, and I thought, oh, I'm, I've read this one before. I'm sure it's pretty good. Let's let's sit down and read it with the kids. And I open it up, and it's about this tri- this tribe of indigenous people, and you know they're talking about how they you know live on the land, da 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 da. I turn the next page. Sorry, this was from the eighties. You said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. this is like a cautionary tale. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, I turn the page uh-huh. and it starts talking about this cannibalistic tribe going to hunt this other tribe. And they've got spears and there's blood. And and I'm kind of going, um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alrighty then. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know it, sort of didn't know what to do. I kind of, I was just like, well. We're in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's keep going. So I read this story and I just took, as I, before I turned the page, I'd have a look at what was on the next page. And if it was too gory, I'd, I'd flip the page to the next one and just kind of gloss over the details of the story of this cannibal tribe. Um, I'm not sure if that represents the Aboriginal culture here in Australia very well. I don't know if the stories are accurate. But, you know, they were written into books. You know, we're talking, what, nearly 40 years ago now. And some of them are great, but let's just say it wasn't really young, child friendly. (laughs) I'm talking about killing people and eating them. And we got to the end of the book and um, I said, yeah, that was a bit of a strange story. And the kids go... That was a bit scary. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I reckon it was too. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, scary from yeah. a different point of view, guys. Adults <laughs> find these kind of things scary too, but it's being able to tell you the stories. <laughs> so um, I don't like chucking books in the bin, but I think it might have to find a box on a shelf somewhere where it can happily collect dust because I don't know how relevant it is these days. <laughs> Um, and probably doesn't represent the Indigenous culture in the best way. I'm sure there's lots of other really good stories we can share. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's that was a bit of a funny moment. Here's my funny story, though, Kate. So, you know, we've come back to school and it's been COVID this, COVID that in the news. The kids, actually, it's become part of their vocabulary, you know? Mm. And kids are like... You know, totally aware that the reason why we were we were away was because of COVID, COVID nineteen, and and we you know we do circle time, so we talk these things out. And every day there was COVID, COVID, COVID. You know, we've done some social stories with the kids on on um, you know viruses and sanitization and all that sort of stuff. And they noticed the extra cleaning ladies coming around, sanitizing everything each day, which is good. And they have been really good at, about it. But anyway, the other day, I've just scoffed down my lunch. I've had busy lunchtime as always. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> scoffed my lunch down. It's this peanut butter sandwich. And so bits must have stuck on my palate or something or in a tooth. And then I let the kids in and they go on the floor. And I'm just, I'm just starting to explain the learning intentions and success criteria for the lesson. And this bit must have dislodged. And it's gone down the wrong hole. 
and, oh, and I'm literally going, yep, so today we're learning about social skills. And, and one of the kids goes full on, goes, he's got COVID. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't have COVID. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> So there you go. Mm. Oh, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's move on to something different, a bit of a change of focus. The app of the week. Eek, eek, eek. Microsoft Forms. Kuh, kuh, kuh. <laughs> yeah. The school that I'm at um, is a Microsoft 365 school, so, mm. which is pretty cool. And... Being a digital learning um, assistant curriculum leader, I've been making sure that I delve into Office 365 and I've joined a lot of those Microsoft education groups and um, things like that to just kind of explore what it is about. And that throughout our remote learning time, I've found so many more apps and all the rest of it that I just, you know, want to tell people about like do you know you can do this do you know you can do this do you know you can do this Mm. so my advice just for whether you're on google a google school or a microsoft school is get in there and give it a go spend a couple of nights just seeing what different things you can look into and join those little collaborative groups on facebook and stuff as well if you're on Um, social media, uh, which is good. But, yeah, forms that I've been delving into and at my school, we've started some author study tournaments. So for the older years, uh, older, middle and early, earlier, younger years, uh, I put up a tournament kind of grid. What do you call it where you, you know, like at the Australian Open? Yeah, it's like a a knockout. Yeah, Yeah, a knockout tournament. So two books go up against each other and... um, I've been using a form um, mm. and putting that, sending that out to the kids that can log on to the computer. They click on this form. They can answer it without having to log into 365 as well, mm. uh, which is a nice, easy thing. It's just a nice little exit ticket or um, something that is easy for me to gather all the information and sort it as well. Yeah. Um, I've done one for some other specialist teachers as a behaviour thing to tell me hey have there been any issues with my group of kids this week or this lesson or anything like that um yeah it's a nice simple easy quick way to communicate and gather information but the thing that we've been using at my school or i'm trying to push as the digital learning specialist uh is those exit tickets so Mm. kids can if you do have a even just one computer in your room you can log on, have the kid or have your student fill it out, um, press submit, and then the next option is to resubmit another answer. Yeah. Um, so it goes right back to the start and you can do it again. So you don't have to have every kid on a device for it. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's forms and quizzes with uh, Microsoft 365. The quizzes you can put in your answers so you can get that instant feedback where forms is more of a survey type thing. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's been my little bit of fun. If you've got other staff on 365, you can have them contribute to the survey 
um, or the form and it's easy to share it if you're all a 365 tech cohort. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, look, I like what you're saying. It's it's kind of, um, you know, we talk about embedding ICT into the classroom and it can be really difficult depending on yeah. the circumstances. And I think assuming that everything that you do with technology has to be some big thing is probably going to set you back because it means that you're only going to you, you might find that it's not the best use of time with ICT is to do everything yeah. with big things like sometimes just taking the time to do small things like you said the exit passes is a far yeah. more attainable goal than trying to do these big huge projects with um, with apps and and technology and things like that and like you 100%. said, yeah, for that you only need one one computer. And every every teacher these days has got a laptop. Some have got iPads. Um, so yeah. you know, if it's something that's quick and easy to set up and and can be done with a minimal amount of time, but a maximum bang for buck, that's the sort of thing we really want. Yeah, that's it. I used uh, forms in my remote learning time as a yep. check in for the parents. So. We had the option of where parents could email. Um, there were three options, email, handing in work, and for me it was filling out one of these survey forms. And on the forms it was student's name, class, because we had a couple of classes hooked in on the one. Have you seen today's work? Mm. How are you feeling today? And does mum or dad need a phone call? So for me, I could look straight. That was my first point of contact. Mm. I also then got on to asking silly questions at the end, like what's your favourite <laughs> reptile um, and little things like that to yeah. make the kids smile and that. But they enjoyed filling out those surveys. Well, it's, it it's engagement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to, nice and easy, look at that. Okay, this student and this student have said that mum or dad need a phone call. I can quickly go in and just phone call it. Mm. Yeah. How have you gone with continuing those forms um, once being back at school? Have you been able to sustain that or is it, or has your focus changed? Uh, with those check-in forms? Yeah. Or I would like to implement it. It's just setting up the way to do it. Mm. Um, because all of the devices at our school, which I'm sure a lot of schools had the issue as well, were lent out to families. Mm. Uh, there's been a little bit of a delay getting a lot of them back, yeah. which is another probably whole episode. Yeah. Uh, the school that I'm at <laughs> is a little bit of a low socioeconomic area, you know, and these devices are quite valuable. So it takes a bit of push and then our ICT crew have to reload them and, you know, synchronise them or update them and all of that. Uh, so... Personally, me and the digital learning team are looking to do more in term three. So it's just on hold. Yeah. Say for now. Paused. Yeah. But like I've done with the author study form, you know, it's finding those little pockets of opportunity. So at the school that I'm at, the library has five computers there. And although it's supposed to be a quiet time, um, why can't we get a lot of our students to just answer a question on the computer? Mm. So our first week back, one of my forms was just making a prediction on the book that they've chosen. Mm. So it was name, prediction of what you think might happen in your book, uh, title and author as well. And for grade ones and the grade twos as well, it was just nice and simple. Yeah. 
fantastic. Yeah. I know that my preps are doing data next term, so um, there could definitely be some good, good cross-curriculum attempts yeah. there. Whenever we do data, I always think, Da 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 da. Because I am da. a Carlton girl. <laughs> ah, yeah. Now you're a Carlton girl. I'm a, a demons boy. Yeah. yeah how how were those uh, how were those scores on the weekend, Kate? <laughs> One point. <laughs> you would be more disappointed than what I am. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, look, you know, here's the thing I I say about that is we'll take that one-point win because uh, <laughs> last year we kept losing by not much more than a point and we put up a good fight, but we, if you don't win games, you end up at the bottom of the ladder. That's right, 100%. Hey, I love your expression, finding pockets, little pockets of time for your ICT. And that actually brings me to the word of the week. Eek, eek, Ooh. eek. We've got a lot of things is of the it, week here. Um, yeah, have we? Is it pockets? No, it's not. <laughs> but you said, it, you said it so well and so precisely, and I was muddling my explanation of that. So the word of the week is actually circumlocution. And it's a, it's a phrase that circles around a specific area with multiple words rather than directly evoking it with fewer and apter words. Sometimes it's necessary in communicating, but mostly it's undesirable. And you might know the term roundabout speech. And that's another phrase that means circumlocution. Wow. So do you know any teachers that circumlocute all the time? <laughs> Whose stories just... Been to some of my meetings. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Whose who, who stories seem to go on forever. <laughs> yeah, mine. <laughs> the kids at in my class, I've created a couple of characters in my classroom. Yeah. One of them is Jerry the Rough Giraffe. Oh, yeah. So he's a really rough sketch mm. of a giraffe. And he's Jerry the Rough Giraffe who <laughs> likes to just get your ideas on paper and he doesn't worry about spelling and stuff like that. And the kids just cat themselves up. Yeah. And today one of them goes, Miss Kilkenny, Jerry likes to talk a lot like you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of my recent made-up characters, Jerry the Rough Giraffe. Yeah. I'll have to send him to you. Yeah, it sounds like a, a bit of fun. We like a bit of fun, yeah. don't we? So, um, all right, we're going to get a bit deep and meaningful here on this next topic. So this time of year, we start to hear of this thing called VIT projects, VIT mentoring. We hear things like provisionally registered teachers and fully registered teachers, all these words start getting thrown about. And so as someone who's been a mentor for a number of years now, I thought we could have Brett's top 10 tips for VIT mentoring. Ooh, Yay. get out your pens and paper, people. <laughs> you know, I haven't graduated that long ago. <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, I'm teaching next door to a girl who is doing her VIT this year. Yeah. And I, I just I don't forget the pressure of it. Yeah. Not only are you stepping into a new your whole career, 
something you've built up for four years. And then they're saying, hey, you've got to make this document. Mm. Did you feel pretty pressured, you know, trying to balance out the normal load of teaching plus, you know, I think the demands of the project are that you've got to put a lot of detail in. Yeah. That can be pretty um, overwhelming for some people. So with that in mind, (laughs) here are (laughs) Brett's top 10 tips for VIT mentoring. Now, there are so many ways that you can help your colleagues with the day-to-day teaching, being a shoulder to cry on. Kate, you'd know about that. Sharing the load of planning and preparation, providing some sage advice for those dealing with challenging students and difficult parents. But there is one particular way that you can help increase the capacity and confidence of your team members, and that is to become a mentor. So what is a mentor and what do they do? Nobody knows. A mentor, baby. (laughs) (laughs) As mentioned in a previous episode, there is unofficial mentoring whereby typically a more experienced teacher or leader takes a newbie under their wing. And that newbie could be a graduate, but it could also be just someone who is new to the school. We often think that all schools pretty much run the same way, but as someone who is taught in a number of schools, I can attest firsthand that every school has their own organizational and political quirks, as well as leadership structures. So being new to a school can sometimes make you feel like you're being back to being a grad or close to it. Anyway, I've observed that often these unofficial mentor scenarios just come about without any kind of agreements or rules, and they just naturally occur through need. And I know that, Kate, you are teaching with someone who is a graduate teacher. Yeah, and so that's right. And n- so naturally, um, she seeks advice from you and she seeks feedback, and you take that. I know that you take that on and help that person. But official mentoring is hugely important part for graduates or provisionally registered teachers and they're completing their VIT project to become fully registered teachers with VIT. (sighs) So (laughs) my take on this is that it's a checking mechanism to ensure that university pre-service teachers hit the real world and that they're able to demonstrate the capabilities of being organized, effective and critically reflective. They're basically weeding out the teachers who can't cut it. And I get that. I understand the need for this. Um, it's, a, it's an important uh, career. And as new teachers, they do so much learning and refining of their teaching craft in those first few years. They come to understand the complexities and the demands of the work, and they begin to solidify their teaching philosophy and draw on the experience of the teachers around them. Part of this process is the completion of the VIT project. And this can be seen as a chore or it can be seen as an opportunity to grow. And I think that disposition is largely influenced by their colleagues. So to achieve the VIT project, they give you two years to do this. It means that grads will complete the project. Most of them complete it in the first year, but if for whatever reason, it could be a number of reasons, they can't do it in their first year, there's a second year up their sleeve. And I've seen this happen a lot where, you know, sometimes a grad's um, contract ends and it makes it very difficult for them to Mm. complete the work required for VIT. 
Sometimes they have a change of class or they have a change of group of students. So that can pose its challenges and sometimes they even move schools. And so, you know, it gives them that chance to really get it done. Um, I know personally myself, I was a CRT for my first six months of uh, when I first left uni. So then I started full-time at a school halfway through the year. Um, and the school that I started at were already within their placement. Um, they already had their newly grad teachers starting their VIT process. So for me, it was a better option to wait till the, ne- the year after. Mm. And I think, yeah. too, I think too that some schools do have like very specific processes of when they're going to have teachers present their project to the panel. And then some other schools are far more flexible on that. And so it can really depend on, on your school and what your school offers to help you with that. Yeah. So with all that in mind, you know, the VIT project can be pretty time consuming and can definitely be a source of stress for teachers. So here are some tips from me to those teachers out there who are mentoring VIT teachers or even those VIT teachers themselves. Okay, those uh, graduate teachers or those provisionally registered teachers. So number one, be prepared to get personal. Teaching is all about being personal with your students, colleagues and families. Mentoring is no different. Mentors who get to know their grad will build trust and grads are more likely to be upfront and honest about their own progress. Plus, if they get stressed out or they have a mini breakdown, uh, which they happen sometimes, they'll have someone they can confide in. And remember that their success is also your success as well. I, I will guarantee that everybody at one stage, it'll be different stages, I'm sure, for everybody, but at one stage, you will have a breakdown. <laughs> there's there is no denying it yeah it doesn't it doesn't work in the same moment for all but i will guarantee there'll be a breakdown mm. just saying i reckon all right <laughs> <laughs> all right tip number two spend term one helping your trainee or your grad or whatever we want to call them to get to know the school especially in a complex environment found in larger schools with many tiers of management, different policies, this, that, and the other, programs, or even in smaller schools where they may not be teaching the same level or subject with anybody else, or even they might even be teaching several subjects in one grade. Um, They have to cope with specific behavioral programs and rules, specific organizational systems like Compass or whatever you use. And they've got to get their head around all of that. They've got to get their head around assessment, reporting, parents, resources, library, ah, homework, toiletting. <laughs> if you're in preps, toiletting, unions. Oh, toiling. Ah, the list goes on. <laughs> so make sure they get up and running first. Term two is ideal to begin discussing VIT. But in my mind, term three is the great time to get it done. Term four is for celebrating. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, now, with that in mind, I think because of the 
remote learning period. I think there might be some adjustments to the expectations of VIT trainees. I think um, they might even be adding an extra year on to that two years. So, you know, do your research and find out about that one. All right, tip number three. Don't tell them it's easy. (laughs) (laughs) That's subjective. We are all different. Teachers are busy and this project requires time and time is a finite resource. So plan to spend a little time each week working on it. Personally, I encourage my trainees to work one hour meeting with me and one hour in class per week on the project. Uh, The VIT project may take a couple of months, but remember that mentoring time is voluntary. So this is negotiable between you and the trainee. Find out what works for both of you. And, you know, you might not be able to do an hour each week, but regular contact is really important in my belief system. <laughs> it'll, what it'll do is it'll save you kind of leaving it all to the last minute and trying to rush it and getting all stressed out about it. So we want to try and avoid that. All right, tip number four. Support the grad to identify their own areas of weakness or their area of interest. This project is a wonderful opportunity to grow. And that will grow best if they're interested in what they are doing. I hate when colleagues say, just align your inquiry question with what your team is working on. That'll be easy. (laughs) Easiness is not the indicator of success. The easiest option is not always the most worthwhile. The greatest successes I've had with grads are when they own what they are working on and they get passionate about it, when they can genuinely understand their own growth as a teacher and they're able to reflect on it. Yeah. What was your um, focus on, Kate, when you did yours? Um, oh, gosh. Um, wasn't that long ago either. Mm. Uh, alphabet ID. Ah, yes. Letter ID. Yeah. Letter ID. Yeah. Yep. And you were finding, I think you were finding lots of different activities or something to do with that? Yeah, lots of different ways to do it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's right. And so ha- I suppose the engagement side of things. Yeah. I and can't you- remember what my inquiry question was. <laughs> that'll be another, Sorry, that'll be for another episode, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole other episode Drag of that. Drag out the old, <laughs> dust off the old uh, presentation. Yeah. Take a book out. Um, All right, number five. This would have been a cut and paste scrapbook, wouldn't it? Look, you know what? I reckon I've still got my... I was the first year of the VIT projects. And yeah, so it was a really, you know, crazy experience to be involved in. But, you know, I reflect back on that. At the time, I remember it just being one of those things you kind of had to do. But, you know, the more I've spent with people doing VIT over the years, the more I've come to realize the value of it. It's the inquiry process, you know, analyzing students, analyzing data, choosing some activities, trying to find new ones that you don't know, new ways of doing things and doing some good teaching and then reflecting on it. Yeah. Yeah. So tip number five is have regular meetings and take diligent notes these, this, the following list is about specifically about meetings with your, with your mentor, with your trainee. So 
For me, once a week meeting is good if possible. Make it purposeful time. Value the time by not fobbing it off. If the grad hasn't completed things, record it and discuss why. Sometimes they need a little bit of a reality check and you can help them do that. Sometimes they need to get a bit more organized. Sometimes they need to acknowledge that they can't always get things done the way they want to get things done. That's life. Help them see that. Start your meetings with what has been achieved. Be success focused. That's a big one for me. So we always talk about what's been achieved, what's been done, how are we moving forward in a positive way. Discuss the challenges and the problems, the concerns, the ideas. You know, that's what we want to see happen. We don't want just we don't want you to just the mentor to just be there going do this, do that, do this, do that. Help them develop their own reflectiveness about the way that they teach. End with setting some smart goals for the following week or fortnight. And I always say, how do you eat an elephant with a spoon? One spoonful at a time. <laughs> the VIT project can seem massive. In my opinion, it's the mentor's job to make it seem attainable. Email the minutes through to each other straight away so that you will know what you'll be doing. You know, I like to, like I said, set smart goals. And it basically becomes a to-do list for the next week or fortnight. And help keep them motivated and on track. That's really important. Yeah. And this this pun is probably a lot of people that will kind of go, Ugh, really? Um, but this one, personally, I like to type the minutes of our meetings because it frees up the trainee to think aloud instead of being bogged down by typing all the things. They think aloud, they, they talk about their craft, they talk about what they're doing, what they want to do. And it is also a good chance to teach them about how to take good meeting minutes, and that's a valuable skill. All right, tip number six, we're motoring through here. We're, past, we're halfway now. All right, you don't have to be teaching the same subject or year level to be a good mentor. In fact, I would suppose that if you aren't teaching the same things, that you as a mentor will probably be more objective about the process and in turn be able to support the inquiry part of the project instead of giving the grad all the answers. A good mentor supports, assists, and clarifies. Boom, boom, boom. You can be a triple threat mentor. Support, assist, <laughs> clarify. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> support, assist, clarify. <laughs> all right, number seven. If you don't think that you and your trainee are a good fit or you don't feel like your mentor is a good fit, um, that's okay. And if you're the mentor, try and help the trainee find somebody else. I've seen many times where team teaching partners, like they spend so much time together that they end up spending very little time on the VIT project, or they just need to have someone else in their ear helping them with these things. Um, fresh eyes. So yeah, say. fresh eyes. That's it. And I think sometimes when colleagues are, are very close to what you're teaching, either they've planned it, or you know they've planned it with you, or they know the teachers, uh, the kids really well. Sometimes it becomes more subjective and less objective. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Now, in some cases, the mentor ends up just telling the trainee, "Do this, do that, do this, do that," instead of actually coaching. I've seen it happen a lot, and you you literally hear them say things like that: "Do this, do that," and what that does is it devalues the 
metacognition that goes along with a teacher deciding things for themselves, deciding what works for them, what works for their kids. So just be mindful of that. Trainees, if you're not finding your mentor helpful or feel that they are not supporting you or that you're not feeling it, discuss it with them if you can or you might have to discuss it with the boss. But you can change to someone else. It's okay. You may professionally gravitate towards other colleagues anyway. So if you're not getting much out of your mentor, you might need to see someone else. And that's okay. That's cool. Number eight, tip number eight, trainees. Your VIT document, you'll laugh at this one, Kate. (laughs) Your VIT document. What about it? (laughs) Your VIT document won't likely ever be read again. (laughs) So It's true. (laughs) So it doesn't have to look pretty. Like I said before, I reckon I've got mine in a drawer somewhere and it's from 17, 18 years ago, right? And I thought you were going to say like seventeen eighty eight. <laughs> it feels like that. <laughs> but you know how many people have looked at it? Me and the couple of people on the panel at the time, and it's never been seen again. So it doesn't have to look Mine's flashy. Got a pretty cover. Yeah, yeah. This is my point. It doesn't have to look flashy. It doesn't need to be perfectly indexed with color coded neon tabs. It's all about meaningful content. However. I will say this, there's nothing wrong with encouraging your grad to make it look professional, especially since when it's completed, this can be taken to interviews, job interviews in the future, and they can put on display all of their, you know, it's it's a terrific document about how the teacher works, operates and thinks and improves. Yeah. So food for thought there. All right. Yeah, I use I use my document for a couple of interviews after completing the VIT, mm. which was really quite handy. You've got everything in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's got all your so it's got all your an- analysis not- of cohort data. It's got assessments. Mm. It's got examples of act- planning that you've done, activities. Yeah. It's got pre-tests, post-tests up the Kyber. Got a different it's, kind of group of <laughs> differentiation. Like, it's all there, guys. It's all there. So just keep <laughs> Yeah. So just remember that, you know, take it with you to your next job. And if you keep that in mind, then you'll do a good job of it. Yeah. All right. Number nine. This is to the mentors again. Be patient and supportive of your grad. Great teachers grow. They don't come out of university operating at a hundred percent. Because the workplaces vary greatly from university life. They need to familiarize themselves with their school's programs. They might be learning to apply new programs, pedagogical strategies, and even ways of organizing their class. Even if it's a tried and true status quo of a particular workplace, it might be completely new to a grad. This means that the first year in a school can be very uphill for a grad teacher or a new teacher to the school. So just keep that in mind. They need your support. They need you to be patient with them. Hopefully they don't drive you insane. (laughs) All right. Number 10, the last one. Enjoy it. Mentoring can be fun if you're enthusiastic about it. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do. 
Remember that you were a grad once. Never forget your own humble roots. Mentoring is a great chance to reflect on your own teaching as you go through the process with them. Question your own choices and strategies that you use. Is there a better way to do something? You might pick up a new idea or two from your trainee to put in your bag of tricks. You know, they've just come out of university, the latest research is on offer there, and they might just make you think, hmm, there is a better way. Lastly, don't let the end of the VIT project process be the end of your mentoring. By the time you've finished the process and you've sat on the panel with them and you've seen them succeed, you will have developed a really good bond with them. And that's good news for you and for your trainee. And that's it. That's Brett Harvey's top 10 tips for VIT, mentoring, (laughs) and in brackets, mentoring in general. (laughs) Agreed, agreed. There's, um, it's an interesting thing because I I feel that from the VIT process that you're so caught up with everything to Mm. then have to sit there and test it feels like a test a bit yeah like can you do it can you do this on top of this you know Mm. um so having the support from your co-workers not just your mentor as well um your other co-workers will be able to look into you know sharing of ideas and observe them and be observed and don't be afraid of people watching you in your class Mm. and the other thing don't be afraid to make mistakes you know not every lesson you plan is always going to work out as you want. We know mm. that anyway. And it, it is always the way that the lesson that you're going to be observed is always the lesson when <laughs> everything breaks Everything loose, goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the internet yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> the mower's going outside. Your yeah. Kids, <laughs> you know, your anaphylaxis kid's having a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Individual results may vary. Yeah. I mean, look, there's some there's some terrific parts of the project. You know, you get to go and observe staff members yeah. and have a look at their teaching. You get to them to come in and observe you. And I think that reciprocal um, evaluation can be really helpful. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to be able to view another teacher and feel free to actually go, well, why did you do that? Or why did you do that? Because yeah. often they'll be pretty straight up and they'll tell you, you know. I think it's important to ask those questions when you're learning. Constructive criticism. It's, I think as well when you are being observed, whether you are mm. the mentor or mentee, um, to expect that criticism mm. as well. Well, not criticism. I suppose it's feedback. Mm. Yep. And the, the thing too, uh, you know, I noticed over the years is that they continually refine the VIT process. as well um so it hasn't been the same thing since i started it's changed quite a lot and you know there's there's a there's a booklet for you to follow as a a trainee and there's also a booklet for your the mentor to follow and they're like your bible do it in they don't do it in chisel and stone anymore (laughs) (laughs) what i mean is that you know it's almost a foolproof process now that you can just follow it and it's and it makes sense. It's there's no smoke and mirrors. It's all very kind of uh, transparent. Yeah. 
So, you know, yeah. make, make sure you use those resources. Yeah, there, there's lots of stuff online about it as well. Yeah, so, yeah. and if anybody's got some feedback about VIT mentoring or being a trainee and they want to send it through to Teaching for Dummies, by all means, get in touch with us on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, they can do that. I would love to hear about all the different perspectives from other teachers. Yeah. yeah. All right. I reckon, Kate, we need, after such a heavy subject, ha. Oh. <laughs> We need a mental health moment. <laughs> hum. Hum. <laughs> I'm not trying to be facetious. Hum. Actually trying to de-stress myself. What are, was it Tuesday? I don't even know. It's Tuesday. I feel like it's a Friday and I'm just <laughs> scraping through. Well, I don't know what day it is. <laughs> so my mental health moment today was just a question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Who do you consult when you're not sure of what, how, and why something needs to be done at school? I ring so, the union. Yeah. <laughs> I asked mum. That escalated quickly. <laughs> um, I pay him. Yeah. So I guess I'm you'd joking, start. I guess it, I'm joking. If we were looking at like, uh, you know, uh, an escalation <laughs> chart, you know, of small problems. Yeah. And we start, what's a uh-huh. small problem, Kate, that you would need to speak to another, a colleague about everyday stuff? Um, uh, yard duty is often a, quite an interesting one, whether they someone's not turning up or oh yeah, you might be getting extra yard duties. Oh, yeah. Feel you are. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, like how to use the photocopier, those sort of things. You know, you just find the closest person. Hey, do you know how to do this? Double-sided, you know. Um, how do I make it smaller but bigger? <laughs> what about um, what are some of the things that you go to a team leader for? Um, I think mostly behavioural uh Challenging behaviours in the classroom, yep. personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reactive stuff. I think do we do a lot of reactive stuff as well. Yeah. I think when when yep. you know um, when the proverbial feces hits the fan, um, <laughs> you know we have to react to that. Sometimes we can't predict it, and we have to hmm. seek support. Team leader is a good one to go for, go for. Um, yeah. I'm a team leader at the moment, so we get a lot of. We get a lot of feces hitting the fan. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think... Actual. <laughs> I also get a lot of just a lot of regular kind of questions that probably don't... That, that the teacher themselves could probably answer themselves. But oh, yeah. they come basically come to me for reassurance. Reassurance. That they're making yeah. a good decision, uh, a second opinion, you know. And to me, in my mind, I'm going, oh, my God, really? You need to ask me that? But then I stop myself and I go, well, hang on. They just need reassurance. So I yeah. I doll out my reassurance. Yeah. <laughs> Here's reassurance for you. Reassurance for you. <laughs> Everyone gets reassurance. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Check under your chair. <laughs> um, I've had a few couple of staff. Uh, recently come and just say, hey, does this email look good before I send it off? 
yeah as well which often i'm not a team leader however sometimes again that reassurance yeah um you just need that don't you mm. the support it's a yeah. bit supportive we've got um most teachers have uh, sorry most schools have leading teachers and you'll there'll often be one that's specific for well-being um student engagement and well-being and there's usually someone for literacy someone for numeracy or if they're very lucky literacy and numeracy uh, <laughs> depending on the school and sometimes that leading teacher might be all through all of those things if it's a tiny yeah. school i've worked at a few very small schools and Let's just say that some teachers have a lot in their portfolio. Oh. Mm. A lot of responsibility. What would you go to a principal for, Kate? What sort of things? Uh, yard duties. <laughs> <laughs> to get I'm out of them? I'm really having an issue with yard duties. <laughs> yeah. Is there some, something no, you want to get no, off your no, chest no. there, Kate? I'm not really. I'm very lucky at the moment and I, yeah. I'm touching wood. I have got a really good set of yard duties yeah <laughs> and i haven't looked at my next uh timetable yet mm. for the coming terms however i do hope it stays because yeah. they're not difficult <laughs> <laughs> um i think sometimes i know with my principal mm. um i mean it depends on your relationship too yeah I know with my principal, I'm able to sit and when things get difficult for me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, mm. um, and I don't know if he does anything, but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes just talking. Yeah. But I feel that I've got a good relationship uh, yep. with my principal at the moment. At the moment. Is that because you I'll spend so much time with him? With him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. I'm beating down his door going, ah! <laughs> um, yeah. I think when there's sort of more serious matters between teachers, yeah, I think yeah, that, that you know, yeah, one. which do, do, do come from, happen from time to time, you know, that that's a person that you really need to go to, especially if there's got, if it's going to end up with, you know, I'm thinking things along the lines of workplace harassment or bullying, um, those kind of big things that can't be resolved by another colleague or even a team leader or even a leading teacher. You know, it's it's kind of like those, those situations where the buck's got to stop with someone higher up, mm. um, you know, and for oversight purposes, it needs to be someone higher up the chain. Mm. Yeah. Um, sometimes when there's really serious stuff with parents, I'll, yeah. go, I'll go to the print uh, because, yeah. you know, it's one of those things, again, you're checking in, you want to represent the school well. Yeah. You know, you don't want to get yourself in trouble, anybody else in trouble. And sometimes they can give you that advice where when you speak to that parent and you say, you know, this has come straight from the principal, yeah. you know, sometimes that carries a certain weight with it. Yeah, definitely. And that goes along as well with um, support for things if you've had to do some mandatory reporting. And, yeah, definitely. Um, things like that as well. Yep. Like there's difficult uh, things that we have to do as teachers and mm. educators um, and you do need support mm. for those kind of things. Yeah. I sometimes feel like I'm pretty bomb-proof within teaching. I don't know whether that's an ego thing or not, but, um, 
you know, lots of stuff can happen in a day and I'll handle it. My own stuff, but also other people's stuff. And I know that... Is that an invitation for testing? (laughs) No, but... get your staff? (laughs) (laughs) But... uh... Call out, call out, call out. (laughs) But like when it comes to something like mandatory reporting, you know, which I've had to do a couple of times over the years. You know what? I went like 16 years of teaching without doing any mandatory reporting. Didn't need to. Wow. Um, and I look back and I go, well, how did I manage to do that? Like, was my head yeah. in the sand? Have I, have I just become more attuned to these problems? Or was I just freakishly or flukishly lucky that I never had any? But anyway, I had a, had a couple in the last couple of years. And I know that it's such an intense thing to be a part of that, mm. that I needed that. I needed someone to just debrief with. You know, I had some good lead, leading teachers and a principal that sat, you know, they sat with me and they just sort of did the whole thing. Are you okay? You know, how do you feel about this? Because um, yeah. for, teach, for teachers, I think it's a really intense thing. And I think the way mandatory, mandatory reporting is that sometimes we question, you know, um, the actual doing of it. Yeah. We, we don't want to, yeah, we don't want... We don't want parents to get in trouble. We, you know, like we don't want kids to get in trouble for that. You know, we don't want to cause more trouble for a kid who might already be having issues. Yeah. But it's just one of those things that has to be done and, and we have to do it whether we like it or not. Most people don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Yep. Having said that, you know, I have been involved with a mandatory reporting that had a long-term very positive outcome for the family, Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if I hadn't have said anything, you know, like, you know, it could have gone very differently. And I guess that's the nature of the mandatory reporting is that we must report because 99.99% of the time it's going to end out with a a good long-term outcome for families. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, The other thing, just to cut back to the topic. Cut back. Also... Head to the print for mm. is um, there's been a few times where I've got a great idea. <laughs> and it's easy to share around with my colleagues the ideas. Yeah. But if I really want to do something and make it happen, heading mm. to that print is the way to do it. Because yeah. not they're not going to sit there and go, okay, we'll do it for you. Yeah. But um, the print that I've got. Um, there's a, I've had a few ideas yeah. and they've been very supportive going, well, that sounds great. This is what you need to do. Yeah. So pointing you in the right direction. I, I know that my, my principal, my campus principal, he has a quite a big portfolio. Um, it spans yeah. prep to prep to six, might even be prep to seven now. So sometimes you just got to grab him when you can, <laughs> when he's floating through or passing by, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, going to him. Can All sometimes... good meetings are had on the way to the staff room, aren't they? That's right. <laughs> but, like, I just know that he's always in your corner yeah. and he's always got your back as long as you're, you know, doing reasonably the right thing um, within the school's rules and such. But, you know, that. But what I was going to get is a more positive thing is um, like sometimes he feeds off your interest in doing things to engage kids, doing things to help yeah. kids that, that 
you know, that require you as a teacher to put in a bit more than your 8.45 to 3.30 hours, you know. Yeah, that's that it. he's encouraging people who who want to put in extra because it's not expected that you go above and beyond as a teacher, but getting that encouragement and that positive feedback uh, when you do go above and beyond, it just feels great. Mm. Game changer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but anyway, so that's yeah, yeah. So yeah, now you mentioned the union before, and we will have on another episode. We will have. <gasps> Our mate Julie Shear coming in to talk about the union. Got to bail her up. Julie will be back. Um, but what we'll do is find out some more information about the union and what they have to offer. But you mentioned the union before, and the union does play an important part in teaching lifestyle. I think that... This podcast is not funded by the union, <laughs> nor are we. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so um, the Australian Education Union has been doing some wonderful things for teachers over the years and made some really good progress with our state government, improving wages for teachers, improving conditions, working conditions for teachers and things like that, um, which has been fantastic. So we'll look forward to hearing more from Julie. And the union is a terrific resource for teachers to go to, to talk about legal stuff is probably all I'm going to say about it at the moment, but... The union is very good at helping with those type of things. But we'll definitely look forward to hearing about that in more details. Yeah. Um, well, there's one other that I think sort of we've talked about a lot of people um, that we would go to uh, when we're not sure of what to do. But, Kate, you're a member of a few Facebook teachers groups, aren't you? Yeah. I, I certainly yeah. Are. So sometimes it's good just to get on those forums and get some advice from people have a rant no, sometimes no, well <laughs> it's it, it's not i think as well with some of those i'm always very careful for what you're putting out there of course to, you know but that's a whole other subject but sometimes it's sometimes it's just good to get ideas about how to teach a certain subject or you know yeah. how to engage the kids with this and that I love the sharing yeah side of it yeah it's brilliant fantastic absolutely brilliant yeah well, it's been a pretty good episode, episode eight, and I feel like Kate, I, f- I feel like this has been a really cathartic experience today because the start of this week was a bit of an uphill grind for me, but getting to sit down with you always puts a smile on my Aww. face. So, Please. thanks, buddy. <laughs> Aww, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, thanks for being on the show today, Kate. No problem. May all your lessons be as planned. <laughs> I think that's going to be my sign off. Yeah. As a, you know, praise be kind of. <laughs> God bless. May yeah. all your lessons go as planned. <laughs> May all of your lunch times be not wet wet daytime tables. <laughs> Hang on, that's one of my rants today. Just as my students are about to leave the door and that dreaded announcement comes over. And I, I just, my students looked at me as I went, oh. And they went, but we get to play with you, Miss Kilkenny. And you're like, so I just I want to go to, to, go to the, the toilet. toilet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, thanks very much, everyone, for listening in today to Teaching for Dummies. 
episode eight with Kate Kilkenny. And I'm Brett Harvey. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. See ya. Thank <laughs> you.